you're able to reach people with a new immersive style of storytelling and they get to spend a lot more time with your brand because of that. You're listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast, conversations with industry leaders on new trends and products that can grow your business. Today, host Leanne Barron, Program Manager with the AR Partnerships team here at Meta, sits down with Luke Hurd, Director of Experience Design at VML YNR. Together, they discuss the impact of augmented reality, the power of storytelling, and how today's advertisers can make the most of immersive spaces. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Leanne Barron. I am from the AR Partnerships team at Meta, and I'm very excited today to be having a conversation with Luke Hurd, who is joining me today. Luke, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Luke Hurd. I'm a director of experience design at VML YNR, which is a subsidiary of WPP, which is a holding company that works a lot in production of advertising and marketing and all kinds of stuff. My job is primarily to help translate how that works in immersive spaces. I love that you have so much literal diversity in the work that you're doing. But we're here today to really talk a lot about and inform this audience about what AR actually is. We both come from that space. We are both creators. That's how we met, actually, for a little background about Luke and I. Though we did start off building effects for Instagram when that was launched in a beta program back in 2019. And there's been a lot of conversation about AR. There might be a lot of confusion, too, about what AR is, say, compared to VR or XR. Is there a nice, succinct way that you have that you usually tell folks when you're saying, okay, here's the difference. This is what AR is. Did you want to share that perspective that you have? This is a question I get asked very frequently, which is we hear a lot about AR, VR, MR, XR. What exactly are the differences between these things, if there even is a difference? There definitely is a difference. And really the thing that you most need to focus on is the difference between AR and VR. AR is an augmentation of your real space, meaning that when I have a camera pointed either out to the world or at my face, I'm still seeing some representation of that. There's something there that's from the real world. Virtual reality is a virtualization of the whole environment. So it's more like stepping into a castle or floating in space or something like that. It's a full replacement. So what we do is work in AR. We work in that augmented reality space, which is incorporating the user's environments, their interactions and things like that into this blend of realities, real reality and one that we get to create around them. And then there's a whole other level to this called mixed reality, which is where you can kind of have a deeper immersion of an augmented reality space where you have objects that can interact to your environment in a more contextual manner, things that can recognize if there's screens in the room or people or plants and be able to react to those things. So it's complex, but in a brief summary, that's pretty much it. That's about as succinct as I can make it. Though I think you nailed it. Obviously, we can dive a lot deeper on any of those single subjects, but I feel like of the different pillars of the realities that we're living in right now, that was a really great way to cover it, broad stroke. Now, the other thing that we find often people are asking us, where do we discover these realities? How are they viewable? And especially from the meta context, we have a lot of surfaces that we actually provide the end user to be able to experience these types of realities. So when we're talking very specifically about social AR, why it's social is that because it's something that's used between different people as they're sharing on social networks. Did you want to maybe share where there's these points of discoveries of how folks can be using AR and where they would find them? 
You bet. We both started in this space, which I think is so great about being able to leverage the meta surfaces, things like Facebook, Instagram. Now, of course, we have the meta quest. There's other ways, even other pieces of hardware that we can build for. But I think what's so interesting about this is that these networks are social first and they have their own unique social perspectives. Facebook works differently than Instagram. People use Instagram for a different reason than they use Facebook. And they use stories different than they use reels and they use posts different than they use stories. So there's a, there's a lot of variance in how people use these things. And the good news is there's 1.2 billion people just on Instagram alone or 1.4, however many people are on there. There's a lot of people on Instagram. So you have this massive audience that is used to being creative. They're used to telling what their day consists of and telling that story to their friends. And they use tools like stickers and polls and AR to tell those stories. And that is in a lot of ways how these surfaces are able to connect so well is because it's native to the platform. We're not shoehorning in AR into an already existing space. We're literally giving them just another tool to create the same stories that they have been creating for years on this platform and telling it to their friends. So the unique thing about the meta surfaces is that also comes with the ability to advertise. You also have these great ad units that work in the same way. They work in the feeds, they work in stories, they now work in reels on both Facebook and Instagram. So you're able to reach people with a new immersive style of storytelling and they get to spend a lot more time with your brand because of that. So That's another thing that I think is so cool about this audience, right? This audience that we have across these different surfaces or audiences we have across these different surfaces is that they are used to this content. They are naturally using this content already. Most of them already know about what a filter is and how that works. So there's already been a few years of just introduction of how these things work that we've been laying this groundwork for usage teaching people how to right-click or drag and drop, same thing. We've been doing this for a few years. Now we have the ability to actually tell brand stories, which on the surface sounds like it might be a little stale. But if you do it right, it's not. If you do it right and you tell the stories correctly, it's not. It can be a great experience. And the fact that you can run these building one piece of software, one build, and then push to multiple surfaces is an invaluable thing, especially on the meta side. Yeah, definitely. I love what you're saying there about the fact that it's already built into the tool. It's actually part of the tool. It's almost like another layer, another option, as you say. It's almost like a new version, let's say, of visual effects or VFX that may have been done previously, but it's accessible. And it's built right for those of you who have zero knowledge that are coming to us with no concept of where they would actually find this. In the Instagram camera, for example, if you were to open that, there is actually a tray where you'll have the option to select some of the effects. It's that easy. We're meeting people where they already exist and where they build content. So the barrier to entry for using and leveraging AR, I think right now is just so wonderfully low. And that's why it has this great potential in terms of being able to connect with the audience that hopefully brands are looking to, brands and other storytellers are looking to do so. And and kind of in speaking of that, and it's great that we've done a lot of training. I think on our part, we've done a lot of educating. We continue to do so to encourage the users to not only just to use AR and leverage the tool that's built in, but to really understand how to storytell for this particular medium. Because now we're actually shifting the way that we are sharing these stories. Because previously, 
you know, you think of the ways that we've told stories have been through traditional 2D media, 3D media even as well. And VR is very different from what you would do where there's another active participant who is the end user that will be interacting with the experience that's being created. But I'd love to hear you from your POV and the journey that you've seen, because you've worked with so many brands across so many surfaces, like you've had a nice long history working with different types of medias and how people are producing for their campaigns, et cetera. Would love to know what you've seen in the way that the storytelling has evolved for AR. It's been interesting. I came from a traditional background. So I came from a 2D background and was a traditional creative in a lot of ways. I did a lot of drawing and painting and sculpting things that were very traditional. And I think what's so interesting about the way that you can tell stories in this space is that it is very similar to like experiential marketing in a lot of ways. So you kind of have this traditional sense where you're a communication piece, right? Traditional advertising is communicative in a lot of ways. It's you have a designer and a copywriter working together, a creative and a copywriter working together, and they come up with a way to communicate a message to someone. And what we are doing is inviting people to interact with us. So In the same way that like social media gave brands the ability to interact backwards and forwards with their customers and their fans, AR does this in a lot of ways as well. So you have this immersive experience where you get to spend time, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be reason to buy type stuff. You don't have to necessarily spend time with a box, although you can. But it's about spending time with your brand and telling a story in the same way that experiential marketing does, in the same way that these more immersive physical experiences have in the past that you see at like South by Southwest or Comic-Con or things like that, we can bring that same type of experience down to a smaller level with AR. And I think that's really important because it means that you're building awareness in a way that you can't build in other ways. And in the past, it required you to be on site at a Comic-Con or somewhere else and have this like brand lift experience where you can walk around in this immersive environment, whether it's a video game thing or you're an escape room or whatever it is. And I feel like that is so easy to apply digitally now that we can start bringing this down to people. They don't have to be physically in a place. So we can really bring that. And that means that we have multiple ways to use AR. We can use it for brand lift and building awareness. We can use it for, like I said, reasons to buy, having the physical product there and being able to explore that physical product. We're even doing like a try-on, which most of us have seen over the past few years, like makeup try-ons and things like that. Shoe try-ons have become more popular. But there's a huge reason to use this. When you're in these spaces and you're trying to create for audiences that you might feel are new, you really have to just understand that they're not new. These are social media audiences. We've been working with them for years and years. We have a pretty robust set of tools, especially Meta obviously does with their ad manager and everything else. And that allows you to help target the audience that you're trying to spend time with, that you want to spend time with your brand. That also allows you to build an experience that makes sense for that platform. So if I'm building an experience for Instagram, for instance, I know that people use Instagram to tell stories or to create. It's a creator network or platform. So everything about it is about posting your creations, whether it be photography or music or art or fashion or AR or content. It's just a way to have creators be enabled. So 
your AR, your augmented reality experience on Instagram has to operate different than it would on Facebook because people use Facebook in a different way. But it doesn't mean that they don't use AR on Facebook. They do. They just might use it more of a reason to buy. Let's see what a lamp looks like in my space. It's not the same social shareable experience that Instagram is, but that's okay. So that means that you have these abilities to tell stories to these unique audiences the same way you would in any other traditional way, but you do it with this cool, interactive, storytelling, experiential kind of tool set. And when you're working with a creative mindset, and you might have done creative stuff in the past, and you're trying to make a jump over to this to understand how your brand can work in this space, there really are some best practices to think about when you're building here. As you and I know very well, when you're building in the traditional sense, or if you think about when you're doing production on a TV broadcast spot, I can pull into a house and pull back slowly and reveal snow and a puff of smoke coming out and a kid drinking hot chocolate. And I have this ability to use a hundred years of cinema to pull on your heartstrings because we're all used to that. The audience is used to those things. And I'm the director. I'm the full control of the storyboard and the way that the camera moves. With AR, you are not the director anymore. The audience is the director. They have control of the camera. They have the choice of what to point at and where to spin around and what to look at. So you have to leave so much space for the audience, for discovery, for experiential things. You can't control so much. And even the web is that way. If you think about it, you have a two-dimensional space and you have just navigation, you have full control over where they're going to go and what they're going to do. You don't care if they look away on the web, but you do in AR. So there's this whole thing you have to think about. And on top of that, to make it even more interesting, understanding how the audience uses AR in the space is really important, obviously. But when you think about what brands do and how brands appear in these spaces, we don't want it to be an ad. We don't want it to feel like an ad. It has to feel like a gift. It has to feel like a creative tool because ads don't get shared on social media. That will not get shared. And I say this often, but if you've seen ads shared on social media, it's because someone got hacked and they have like sunglasses ads being thrown through their media and people have to message them and be like, hey, you've clicked on something. But that's the experience. So people don't trust ads in the same way. They don't share ads with their friends that way. So you have to really make it a tool for them. So don't put your logos everywhere. It's okay to use a logo, but you don't want to slap a logo on their head because it just won't get out into the world. I think that's kind of encapsulates why you'd want to use it and what these kind of guardrails might be when you're building in these spaces. Yeah, I think it's really important for people to truly understand why AR is different, why we're storytelling here and making sure that you're making great choices about that too. When you're considering what it is that you're going to be building out for the campaign, Ensure it can't be reproduced elsewhere. Ensure that it is something that's going to leverage AR. And that includes interactivity, things like where you're understanding facial gestures as a point of interaction. You're using the actual device motion to take advantage of interaction. I think the word that I'm using repeatedly here is interaction, right? Yes. So the users are going to be interacting with this piece, which is that communication that you're talking about, that conversation, that dialogue that's now actually happening in real time with the experience that's been built. And as you said, to your point, you're leaving a little bit of space for that user to be able to contribute their little part of the storytelling. And I think where the magic happens in the shareability part of it is when the user is actually proud of the content that they've been able to produce because they've been left that little window space to include their story into the story that's been presented to them as, say, a prompt, let's say, 
And now they have co-created essentially an experience. And because they're also now a part of that creation process, they would be willing to share that out with their audience. So I think that's a really important point that you're bringing up is making sure that it's for the space and for the platform that you're speaking to specifically. And then also the fact that it's leveraging AR. I think that's really super valuable. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that interaction point that you brought up is so key. And I really am so glad you brought that up because it's, we are dealing with a new type of interface. You're interfacing with the machine in a way that you haven't before. So in a lot of ways, when you're designing these, you think about it. And if you think about it in a traditional sense, I say traditional, meaning the last 20 years. So you think in a lot of ways, it's, oh, they do this and they tap here and it does this and they tap here. Why do they need to tap? We have dozens of points on the face that we can monitor. They can react in their face. They can lean their head around. We can tell if they're opening their mouth or smiling or squinting and so much more. And that's just the face. Like you said, there's device motion. There's ways to get up. We did a great experience for Coachella this year that used device motion to get close to a virtual object to get this kind of virtual bunny to move around and jump around. It's a whole new level of interaction. And I think that is what is driving these experiences to be beyond the traditional ad. It's beyond the traditional in-feed experience that you have where maybe you get a video, maybe you get this, maybe you get an image and a description. We're offering something that is a bit more engaging, and many studies have already shown that people engage longer with these than they do in a lot of other ad units because they're interesting. They give them something more than a reason to buy a product. They give them the ability to try it out in their space or try it on or have an experience that's a story about the product. Or again, if you're using it on Instagram, a tool that they can use to create content. And just to hit on that a little bit more, one of the things that, as Leanne mentioned at the top of this, we've been working together on the Instagram platform since before you could really publicly publish these effects out into the world. And we've learned a lot, both from Instagram and from our own personal journeys, that when people are using effects like this and you're building branded effects, you really have to lean into the storytelling. You have to lean into the storytelling. And I don't mean telling a story all about your brand, thinking about it in the sense that the person using this is telling a story. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I had a bad day. I had a great day. I'm outside. I'm swimming. I'm enjoying myself. There's a ton of reasons that people share reels and stories on Facebook and Instagram, and that's what they are. They're sharing of their life. So if you can find a way for your, if you have some sort of super hot snack food there's a way to say I'm hot outside and a way to say I'm hot, feeling good by using the word hot. There's a way to tell stories and help them tell stories by letting your brand be that mechanism to tell that story rather than trying to shoehorn it too heavily in. And that's really Instagram. That's really that social side of things. But on Facebook, it's more reason to buy because you have more of an in-feed experience. It's more of a passive ad that you get to roll through. And then let's say it's for like a large supermarket chain and they have maybe a hundred AR ads that showcase trash cans and mops and lamps and just stuff that you put in your house. You want to see what it looks like in your space. That's a different type of AR and you build that differently, strategically differently. But again, it's all about thinking through the audience and thinking through that use case and why people would want to use this. What exactly are they natively using this for anyway? And how do we tell that story? I love that you're saying to make sure that you're considering 
the audience, but the person. Let's get like very specific because you literally have to envision how this person is going to discover the AR experience, whether it be in feed like an ad. And again, they're just doing their thing. And suddenly this thing has popped up. And I want to just speak very specifically about this time and space in this kind of timeline that we have of AR where it currently sits. We are still at a place where people have awareness of it. They have curiosity about it. But a lot of people still are not fully adept to say using it or they haven't yet become numb, let's say, to the visibility of AR. Therefore, it's disruptive. So when something is disruptive, and I just want to shout this out to the people that are considering using this in their campaign, that this is the time to do it, I believe, because there is still so disruptive when it comes to the attention and grabbing the attention of the people in a very busy feed. So what you want to do, like just by the nature of AR, it's going to captivate, it's going to disrupt, it's going to have them pause. And if done right, not in a way that they have this massive barrier to like usage because they can't figure out the UI. It has to be very easy to use, easy to get into, very thoughtful of the user that, you know, as you mentioned, and meeting them where they are, but then has that little element of magic, like you say, placing it in the space, being able to scale it, to have it fit. And there's that wow factor of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. So the novelty is still there, which is why I love this just for brands right now. It's a super exciting time. And I feel like currently where it's leveraged really well, as you were mentioning, about it being a layer of content that's already accessible for the content creator to use. So in Reels, for example, basically the people that are doing well there, the folks that are pushing out to Reels or consuming Reels are there for the content. So AR now becomes, the AR effects now become this great prompt, as I kind of mentioned earlier, to be able to storytell. So sometimes you'll hear content creators just complaining constantly. I don't know what to come up with some days. This is a lovely way to offer them something, as you say, a gift to be able to create content quite easily when done right. And as well, if done for a brand in the right vein of storytelling, then it just naturally flows into their content creation. And it's not a shout out. It's not a scream. It's not an in your face. This is an ad, but it's a lovely way to integrate brand lifter and brand storytelling in partnership with the content creators. So I'd love to hear your experience when you come across people using these people being the content creators, those that are consuming on the real side. Why do you think that Reels is like a great space for this? I feel like it's for me, it's the tool part of it. But what, are you, what have you seen with that, Luke? Well, I mean, Reels is a natural place to tell a short form story. So when you look at something that is as versatile that you can use through Reels, you can basically stories are ephemeral. Like we have these 15 second Instagram stories and they've been great. And you can make a lot of different experiences for these type of short form ephemeral stories. And those have been very effective. But as we move towards a longer form, you start to see the inclusion of multiple effects. You start to see them be used as things like ways to pick your outfit out or design your makeup or live your day. I mean, they use them as like guides to do things. They use them for content. So you can both give them a tool to help assist them in their content creation process. And you can also give them inspiration to create content by setting them up with a certain type of way to create that content. And that could be, you see a lot of people who make things like brackets or like randomizers and things like that. But I think what's so interesting about augmented reality is that it lends itself to be both the hammer and the concept. So it lets you be able to see something that's viral out there in the world. 
and react to it by using the exact same effect and having it try it on you. Or you can use it as if you are creating something yourself, stitching together your own content. And you're like, I need something that looks like I'm in space. I need something that looks like I'm underwater. I need something that looks like it's hot outside because it's 110 degrees outside. And you start thinking about how do these people use multitudes of these to tell these stories? And how can I find a way to help inspire them in a lot of ways to use my effect in a way that will either be, again, as that hammer and the process of them building or as the blueprint that comes before they try to decide anything. So there's a couple ways to think about it from a strategic standpoint. I think that the most important thing really to think about as you're jumping into these is that as people are creating reels, more and more, these are longer form stories. So you're probably going to get a chance to tell a bigger narrative. You're going to have a bigger, you can have a bigger experience in these. So that means that you don't have to have these kind of stitched together story videos. You have a nice reel that's in your post and your feed. And when you're looking at the way that you want to inspire people, as you start making content that is like for reels ads, let's say, these are going to be people who are passively looking through reels. They're going to be getting inspiration already from other people as they're looking through reels and they're seeing funny content. You want to fit right in alongside that piece of it. So you want to fit right in alongside that inspirational piece. And this, in a lot of ways for reels ads, you might want to look at it like the blueprint side rather than the hammer side, because they're not already in the process of trying to figure out a thing to do. With a Reels ad, you might think about it from the blueprint side and that you're taking a step back and trying to inspire them in a way that is going to give them the ability to go, oh, I can tell a story with this. And then they can go use effects. So it can feel like it's a little complicated. But again, it's all about just trying to find where you are in that storytelling funnel of the people who are doing this. So you're all the way at the top where they're not quite ready to tell a story yet or halfway down where they're already putting pieces of it together. So yeah. Again, really thorough. I think it gives a really strong overview of where folks can be using these, where the end user is actually interacting with them. And on our side, as the creators, there's a whole other, maybe we probably would need a whole other episode to talk about this, but essentially the workflow, right, of how we would go about or how a brand would go about kind of start to finish. How would they engage with a creator? How would they produce this thing? where the heck they're going to do it, you know, who's responsible for what, because obviously there are a lot of roles from creative direction to execution of the actual production of the effect to even selecting the creators, et cetera. There are a lot of moving parts to this, and I don't know that we have the time to do it in this episode, but I feel like that's something that we could definitely deep dive into in another episode. But I do feel like we are at time right now, and I think this has been a great lead-in, and hopefully for those of you that are listening, an introduction to what AR is, why it's different from VR, and mixed reality as well. And I hope that you'll be able to join us on a future episode where we talk a whole lot about how we can build these experiences from all different perspectives, actually, not just from the creator, the builder perspective, but from the brand side, the partner side, and then even here at Meta and some of the offering that we can present to people that are going into this type of new way of creating content and for sharing their campaigns and stories. So I want to say thank you for joining me, Luke. I think this has been a great discussion. Any other thoughts before we close up? First of all, thanks so much for having me. I think one of the things I'd love to leave people with is just the idea that these are 
newer type of experiences to build from a creative standpoint. But the benefit of using them is that you have that familiarity of the ad manager through Facebook. There is a maturity that's already there from reaching your audience with these that is very beneficial when it comes to specifically the ad units when you're specifically using those. So such a broad audience and such an easy way to leverage the stuff that's already been built over the past 10, 15 years. Yes, great point. This is nothing completely net new. Again, it's an extension of what is currently there. You don't have to retrain everyone. Love that. And with that, I guess we'll leave it until next time. Again, thanks very much for joining us today, everyone. We hope that you did find this valuable and we look forward to speaking with you again next time. Thanks. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would like to thank our guest, Luke Hurd, for sharing his knowledge and experience with us. You can find links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you for listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. Mm-hmm.